Everybody that loves the Lord, say amen. amen. Go back to Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews and the 5th chapter tonight. Hadn't the Lord been good to us? Bless his name. Hebrews and the 5th chapter. <clears throat> I want to say two or three things before we read the text and let the Lord help us tonight. <clears throat> I want to say, number one, it's a real blessing. To, uh, speaks well of, uh, it speaks well of your church. I preach revivals about every week of my life. And I'll be honest just for a moment here. Uh, Monday, Tuesday night, usually the pastor always apologizes to me because his church don't come back on Monday night. And, and I've never, all pastors get devastated. I guess I'm telling y'all a little bit of the other side. Many church revivals, all it does is discourage a pastor because his people won't come. I live with that every week. And it speaks highly of your church that this is not planned or prepared and just spoken at the end of the meeting last night, and when I, I couldn't hardly find a parking spot a while ago. I mean, I, every Monday night, somewhere around 9.30 p.m., a heavy-hearted pastor is tearfully apologizing to the evangelist. He, said, I'm, well, he don't have to apologize to me, but they're going to have to apologize to God. And so... I couldn't hardly find a place to park when I came in. And on top of that, the weather, and you still came. Now, I said this last night. I don't know if you understood me. And you may not even understand it now. What it, I'm just thrilled at when the Holy Ghost runs things. I've not had a Monday night open. I mean, I'm not trying, I hope that don't sound, I'm not trying to sound any way. I'm just, just the way my schedule works. For a solid year, for 12 months out, I'm solid booked. And, and Now, often there might be a Thursday night or a Friday night open, but never a Monday. And this one wasn't. And it's been booked for nine months. And about three weeks ago, the man called me and said, you mind just preaching Tuesday night only? And I, and I, <laughs> instead of Monday and Tuesday. And I've been doing this long, this is my starting 15 years as an evangelist. Now, my first five years, I'd go into a nervous breakdown mode and think I wasn't going to be able to make my bills that month because something got canceled. Yeah. I know y'all don't never wrestle with that spirit of fear and unbelief. And, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, but I've learned the sovereignty of God. And I know when God clears the calendar, He's got something else on the schedule. Yeah. And last night, and I, and I know better than even suggest things. But, and he turned around and said, do you, <laughs> I was waiting on him to say it. Do you have Monday night? I was just waiting on him to say it. It's, just, it's all of what I got for a year, yes. <laughs> and it just thrills me. You know, that's one of them little things, just that, you know that God is God. He erases something and then he'll scribble it in later. And y'all need to quit fretting over the things he erases. 
If he marks, if he removes something, he's got, he's got something else he wants you to replace it with. And uh, so I, I just, I'm still bubbling over that. And then again, this is, now what I'm fixing to say is, I'm not telling him anything. I don't know if I'm telling y'all. I'm just saying it for the sake, my schedule's full, but I work with men who do, if God gets, I'm going to do what God wants to do. I mean, that's, you understand? I'm not suggesting anything to him or to y'all. He's going to do what the Lord tells him, and I'm comfortable with that. But I'm just telling you, I'm up for whatever God's up for. Amen. If he wants me to erase something, I'll erase it. Would you erase something that God wanted you to erase? And uh, I'm, I'm grateful. And I want to say that we, uh, we love Brother Jim and his family. Now, now, we appreciate Brother Jimmy, but we love Sister Lisa. <laughs> See, a lot easier to love. Our family loves Sister Lisa. We just appreciate and pray for Brother Jimmy, but we love Sister Lisa. Amen. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 5. The Lord's put this in my heart. Last night we saw... The Lord wanted to emphasize that strong cry. If you were not here last night, Hebrews chapter 5, verse 7, we got some strong crying. And I'm glad I saw our Savior doing that strong crying so that I'll know that when I'm sitting down in the book of Job in my life doing some strong crying, He has been there. Strong cry. And then, Brother Turner, about most everybody else was here last was here last night. But in chapter six, verse eighteen, there, Brother Turner, we got a strong consolation. What about that? That by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie. And I'm glad it's not even possible for God to lie. Right, amen. The old preacher said. That the, the question that theologians, and I like what Reuben Fields Sr., the old black preacher, did you ever get to hear him? Hit Rocky Face, about when I was a boy, when I got to hear him. The old black preacher from Indianapolis, Indiana, originally from Louisiana, Golden Gloves, boxer, as a young man, I, I got to hear him just a handful of times. But he said, there are no Bible scholars, only Bible students. Amen, amen. He said the Holy Ghost is the only Bible scholar there is. And he said the rest of us are just students. <laughs> and, and so uh, the theologians, I'm not going to say the scholars, the theologians bad about this theological question, uh, could Jesus sin? And old brother Earl Hughes, he's gone to glory now, the old Blue Ridge Preacher. He said, the real question is, would Jesus sin if Jesus could have sinned? <laughs> would he if he could have? Amen. And he can't and he wouldn't. Amen. And there's two immutable things, the spoken word and the sworn word. Genesis 15 is where that can be studied. Where God swore the covenant to Abram and Abram didst doubt and said, Lord, how can I know of a surety? My King James Bible in Genesis 15 uses that word surety. 
And that's one who stands in the place of another to swear for him. <laughs> Amen. To make the matter good if he can't. And uh, he said, can I, how can I know of a surety? And so the Lord told him in Genesis 15, you take and lay out a blood sacrifice, five sacrifices. And then when he laid out that blood sacrifice, a horror of great darkness came upon him. And uh, in the same hour, the Lord made a, a covenant with Abram. A smoking furnace and a burning lamp passed between those pieces. And there's the Trinity. It was a Genesis 15, an Old Testament picture of Calvary. Abraham laid out the bloody sacrifice. The Jews put Jesus on the cross. Amen. Then a great darkness came. Amen. And there was three hours of darkness at Calvary. And then a smoking furnace and a burning lamp. That's the Father and the Spirit. Our God is a consuming fire. And that oil on fire in the vessel, that's always the Holy Ghost. Amen. And Jesus was the bloody sacrifice laid out. And God gave Abram a surety that day. He swore the matter to him. Amen. He swore it to him in blood. Hallelujah. And what he swore was, I'm going to give you a seed and the families of the nation are going to be blessed in it. And Galatians 3 interprets that and said to thy seed and not to seeds as of many but the one in thy seed. And he said specifically in Galatians 3 and 4 that it was not talking about Isaac. He was talking about Christ. God promised Jesus to Abraham. I wonder if, that, I wonder if that's where he preached the gospel to. In Genesis 15 or Genesis 22. Just wonder. Or Genesis 17. Or it could have been Genesis 12. Somewhere in there into me preached the gospel to him. And Abraham saw it. And rejoiced to see it in his day. Mm, I'm feeling a little dangerous in here tonight. Glory to... If, if you, amen. Guard your children and hold down the church furniture. I'm feeling a little dangerous. Right? Thank God them happy bubbles are getting big on me. I got news for you. There's two immutable things that you and I are standing on. We have the scriptures. And not only do we have the verbal word of God given to us, it's been sworn in blood. I'll make a little announcement. You're not allowed to sit there like Presbyterians or Lutherans when I make this announcement. I'm going to make a little announcement and you, and you, amen, you got to act saved. 2,000 years ago, there really was a man named Jesus. And, and there really was a cross outside Calvary's Hill. And he really did crawl up on that cross. And he really did bear my sin until he became my sin. And he really did die for me. And he really did die as me. Amen. And this, and this has been sworn in blood. Hallelujah to God. It's been sworn in blood. He came the first time and honey, he's coming the second time. Thank God now. There's a strong crime in chapter 5, verse 7. But there's a strong consolation in chapter 6, verse 18. And, and I saw that several years ago and drew a line between the both and took great, great comfort in that. And just earlier this month, the Lord showed me between that strong crime and that strong consolation, over there in chapter 5 and verse 14, he showed me a strong Christian. I mean, I preached them other two for years, Brother 
Brother Pastor. But he's, and I'm going to be honest. <clears throat> See chapter 5 verse 14. But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, you, now there's two phrases right here. I'm going to give you this and then tell you something else. There's two, circle these, full age. Would you circle that? If you, if, if you, if you don't mind marking your Bibles. There's two phrases in these, in these scriptures that describe a strong Christian. And one of them is full age. One who's come to full age, that don't have anything to do with time. It has to do with maturity. I know some old people that are not mature. Living a long time don't make you mature. It's not, it's not. The, the meanest thing in this world other than a copperhead is an old Baptist who's still spoiled and whiny. I wish I had somebody. Amen. I promise if you could unfold the history books the last 2,000 years, it never was young people that split churches. His, his older ones. Them young ones don't care enough to tear a church up. Them old ones get, if, if, they, don't get, if they don't grow in grace, they grow in grit <laughs> and they get mean. This don't have anything to do with time. It has to do with progression. Full age. And there's another phrase, chapter 6, verse 11. It's the same page on my Bible. Chapter 6, verse 11, you'll find that full assurance. 6, 11. And we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end. And full assurance is always connected to the end. Full assurance has to do with believing how this thing is going to end. Mm. Mm. Full assurance. There's a strong Christian. Somebody who is who has come to full age, and somebody who is operating in full assurance. That's a strong Christian. The Lord showed me this. Chapter 5, verse 14, but strong meat belongeth to them that are full age. I was uh, at a church in Maryland. And Sister Kim up there at your daddy's church. And Brother Gary said on the end, y'all don't know him, but been faithful, faithful member to God for years at this church. Young man in his 30s and just had a one-year-old baby boy. Got three girls. And had a brain tumor some years ago was just barely getting over that and now has been diagnosed with multiple sclerosis and, and we don't talk about it already but it's aggressive it's putting him down putting him down last year he spent six months every service every service whether that felt like it or not he'd stand up and leap and wave his hand he said he knew it wouldn't be long. He wouldn't be able to. I wish I had somebody in here. He said he knew it wouldn't be long that he wouldn't be able to. And whether they felt like it or not, he's getting his leaping and praising God. He's getting it all in. Now I am glad to report to you at the end of this journey there's a glorified body waiting on all believers. Amen! 
you can leap and praise God from now on. But this past meeting, when I got there, he couldn't leap and praise God. Couldn't even hardly walk. Only made half the meeting. And, uh, and the Monday night, he went over there and laid on the corner. He just laid there the whole service, laid on his face. And couldn't make it back the next night. Couldn't. His wife, it, muscles are just not working. And it, it's, his time's drawing nigh. But he stood up on the end of that pew before he went and laid over there and stayed the whole service. And he read Hebrews 5, 7. The Holy Ghost gave that to him. Who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up this man with a one-year-old baby boy, three little girls, the oldest one's eight, I think. And uh, you just had your baby, Brother Michael. Be pretty bad you just had that baby knowing that 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 baby could probably grow up without you. I reckon in them moments, the Holy Ghost is the only one that can help you. But Jesus made a promise in John 14, 15, and 16. He only talked about two things that last night after He washed their feet and before He went to Calvary. He only had two things to say for three chapters. Prayer and the Holy Spirit. Prayer and the Holy Spirit. <laughs> and, and if there's any other topic brought up, it's because one of the disciples interrupted him with a question. And he'd answer the question and go right back to tell them, I'm glad I'm going to sit by my Father's side. And you can ask me what you will. I'll talk to him and we'll get her done for you. Amen. Amen. And he just kept and then he kept talking about a comforter. Hallelujah to God. <laughs> You're not allowed to act like Lutherans or Presbyterians when I talk about the Comforter. Amen. 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 The Comforter, the Holy Ghost. He said, I'm, he said, I'm leaving you, but I'm sending another Amen. And He'll be with you. He'll be in you. The, whole, the Comforter. And He kept calling Him the Comforter. Preacher, kept calling Him the Comforter. And I watched Settle. I watched Him down there. And I've been knowing Him for years. And he's always tithed and always been true to his preacher. That's two good things to go into a storm with. <laughs> that was totally free right, 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 right there. That was totally free. I've been giving God my first fruits. And I've been good to the man he put in my life. Them's two good things to carry into a storm. Amen. Oh, I wish I had somebody right there. Been faithful to God's house. Amen. Been living obedient in my life, obedient to the Word of God. And I looked down there and he read that. And I could tell it's something the Holy Ghost gave him who in the days of his flesh when he had offered up prayers and supplications, supplications, a strong plea for mercy. With Tears and strong crying unto him that was able to hear him and unto him that was able to save him from death. Amen. You ever look death in the face? God may give you a promise with death. And was heard in that he feared. And though he were a son, capital S, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. Amen. And I looked down there at that brother and I said, shame on me. I got two good legs and two good hands and one loud mouth. Amen. 
thank God. Shame on me for sitting here and not leaping and praising God and opening my mouth and praising God. Honey, when I can, God gave him that promise. And I said, wow, what kind of a man can say that? And I, and I kept looking at chapter 5. <laughs> and I found that strong meat. Belongeth to them that are full age. Now, I don't know where the Lord's going to take this. These two things. Both of these deserve their own hour. Full age and full assurance. You give me somebody who has matured in the Word and matured in grace and matured in God's classroom. And they've completed their... I studied behind 20 preachers a while ago. I pulled down 12 commentaries and 8 books on... And all that is is just a preacher who wrote down what God showed him. I studied behind 20 men of God a while ago. And every one of them said something about that age. Said it just means somebody's full grown. Let me say two things. Because I studied that full age, looked at it again today and refreshed my heart. And then I got done two hours studying the Lord said, now I want you to preach on the assurance. (laughs) I said, thank you very much. Yes, sir. (laughs) Let me say two things. Full age comes to those who choose to learn. Make a statement. There's no excuse for you being spiritually weak. It's your choice. He said in chapter 5, verse 12, For when for the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again. The the baby steps, the, the ABCs, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, the elementary things. You look at here. You're not spiritually weak because of some uncontrollable, unforeseen circumstance or situation that you just, and you're spiritually weak because you can't help it. You're spiritually weak because you chose to walk another path than what God had for you. You dropped out of class. You're not weak because it wasn't your mama's fault. It wasn't some preacher back there where you got hurt. Amen. There's two things you'll hear when somebody's fixing to backslide, get out of the will of God, and leave their church. See, the devil don't mind you going to church. He just don't want you going to your church. And you know when God moves you, when God moves you to pastor another church or you to be in another church, God will be the one that do it and you'll cry the whole way. Devil don't mind you going to church. He just don't want you in your church. And there's two things they'll say. They'll say, well, and here's two things you'll hear. We're just not getting fed. That's 20 minutes of preaching. Don't y'all, don't y'all make me preach that. <laughs> We're just not getting fed. Did your arm fall off? Yeah. 
Amen. You don't you don't know how to pick up a spoon? Amen. That's right. Yes, sir. The only people who can't feed theirself are newborn babies and, and invalids, the people that are bedridden, and either old age or a great tragedy has happened to them. Only, only infants and invalids can't feed themselves. Everybody else is supposed to feed yourself. Amen. Amen. That's right. Yes, sir. <laughs> now, God gave us a shepherd. He's going to feed the flock. But you got to come in here and bend your elbow and stick your fork in it, and you got to open your mouth. He ain't going to chew it for you. That's right. Amen. Right. Amen. Right. Mama might chew something for the baby, got no teeth. All Gerber is is a factor somewhere. Somebody chewing all the food for them and putting them in the thing right there. Say right. yeah. amen right there. Yes, sir. Amen. We're just not getting fed. It's because you're rebellious and you don't want to walk with God. And the other thing they'll say when they're getting ready to backslide and leave their church, they'll say, well, we really got hurt. Some of y'all have said that, ain't you? I can tell some of them said that before. Y'all understand we've been having church in the South for about 400 years. <laughs> As long as, that's, what is that? Four, or is that eight generations? Who knows, that's seven generations? That's enough generations for us to learn how to do this and be mean as the devil and still do this. Right. Well, we really got hurt. I'm going to make a little announcement. People that actually get hurt in this, you'll never hear them say it. Now, this is 20 more minutes of preaching, but, and, and y'all quit teasing me and trying to make me get satire. Just let me, let me say, and it's worth writing down, frontliners ain't whiners. They're not. The only people who can actually get hurt in this thing is the ones that go to the front lines. And the ones on the front lines are catching fire from the enemy. And the enemy's brutal. I wish I had somebody. You're right. The enemy's actually, when you actually get out there in the front line and the enemy, it's brutal. Yes, sir. It's bloody. Yes, sir. It's, it's, it's brutal. I want to thank God publicly for my wife. I'll go ahead and thank God for your wife. I want to thank God for any spirit failed man in here on the front lines for your wife. My wife's been faithful from day one to stand by my side. And, and I was on the front lines when, we, when God put us together and she walked right up to the front, front lines and put her arm in mine. She'd been standing there taking heavy artillery. Yes, sir. Heavy artillery. Yes, sir. You're running some heavy artillery in the last couple of years, ain't you, Dr. Yes, Turner? Heavy artillery! <laughs> and then you get fired upon from behind. It's called friendly fire. And that's from all the people that are nowhere near the front line. They don't even know who the enemy is, and they just shoot whoever's in front of them. I like them people out there. Blam, blam, blam. That's right. Yeah, that's the people praying for you, the people preaching for you, the people standing in the gap. Frontliners are catching it from the back. People so far behind the battle, they don't know where to shoot. Amen. Amen. And they're catching it from the enemy. But frontliners ain't whiners. 
Because the only way you get on the front line is you march up there deliberately, decisively. Yes, sir. You go up there on purpose. The only way a man gets on the front lines in this is that he stood at the foot of the cross long enough and studied his wounds and knew that it would be an honor to get wounds of his own for him. I wish I had somebody. And honey, when they took Paul and Silas and they took Peter and they, and they beat them boys and strapped them and put them in jail. I mean, took a whip, brother, and, and whipped them boys. They got out of jail the next day and they run back to the street corner and went to preaching again. And they said this, well, we really got hurt, so we're not going to be apostles anymore. We're going back home. Maybe in your revised standard version, but my King James Bible said they rejoiced that they were counted worthy to suffer for His name's sake. This thing was illustrated on 9-11. When the two world trade towers came in, 10,000 people were running away from the fire. But there were a few dozen marching into it. They had firemen's hats and oxygen tanks. And they were walking, they were walking steady. They wasn't running, they wasn't stumbling and unhesitant. They were just steady going in. And they had and they had axes. And they had fire hoses. And 10,000 was running away. And several dozen were marching in. And everybody else is trying to get down the stairs. I'm about to have a fit. Everybody else is trying to get down the stairs. And they were trying to get up the stairs. They done made that decision a long time ago. Hallelujah to God. That they were willing to lay their lives down for their brethren. And I ain't seen a firefighter's wife yet that sued anybody. Out of 9-11. Everybody's wanting to sue somebody. Muslims want to sue. New York City liberals want to sue. Mayors want to sue. People breathing air over in Long Island's wanting to sue. Everybody in the world's suing, except the only ones that got hurt. Firefighters' wives. I heard about them suing anybody. They were married to the men who laid their life down for the brethren. Them frontliners ain't whiners. The Lord just keeps taking my sermons over while I'm here. Football camp. You ever see toward the end of football season? Some old boys over there, two teeth knocked out, helmets cracked sideways, got an arm taped to his, and a leg in a splint, and he said, put me back in, coach. I feel good. I'm doing good, coach. Don't you never mind that bone sticking out? They've taped it. I'm good. I'm good. Let me back in. I can take him out. You want to know why they got them kind of boys at the end of the season? Because back in August in the summer training camp, the pretty boys get cramps in their calves. Ah, 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 I go 
home to mommy. Yeah. Mommy, she ironed my socks and she'll rub this little cramp. I don't want to do this no more. What's the difference in them pretty mama boys? And the old boy over there with his teeth hanging out and the eyeball swole shut and the helmet cracked down the middle, dragging that leg and the arm taped here so he won't lose it before he's 30. Let me in, coach. I'll knock somebody down. We'll get a touchdown somewhere or another if you just let me in. There's a fire burning in his heart. A desire. And honey, if you're weak, it's because you don't love, you don't want him. You don't desire him. You don't pursue him. You don't listen to him. You don't follow him. You don't care what he thinks. You're not in it for him. I saw him a long time ago. I'm, I'm not a good Christian. I'm like what Brother Jimmy said. I like what Fred Potter's prayer warrior told me. I was a little old boy sitting there and they said, this is, I was at Fred Potter's in Bristol, Virginia. Old man. He said, that's Joe Parsons' prayer warrior. That little red-headed woman. 80-something. I talked to her after church. I said, you must, you must be a great Christian. She smacked my hand. I was drinking coffee and cake. I always say something stupid and get in trouble. She smacked my hand. I was nervous about saying anything to her now. Waited 10 minutes, and when I did say something, sure enough, the wrong thing. I said, you must be a great Christian. They told me, you're Joe Parsons. She, she said, son, there are no great Christians. There's only a great Christ in you. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. Some of you young ones are doing your best to live for Christ and you don't know that you can't. Christ has to live for you. Amen. That's right. <laughs> he has to live for you. Christ is living for you. Oh, if you'll just trust Him. That's what that second full age comes to those who choose to learn. I'm not going to preach that one tonight. Full age comes to those who choose to learn. Did you see the verse where it said, though he were a son, Jesus, yet learned he? And did you see the verse, in the time you ought to be teachers, you have need to be taught. Do you see all the learning going on? Full age comes to those who choose to learn. Now listen, we send in Preston and Chloe down here every Friday morning and they got teachers. It's going to come a little point in their, in their little life. They're going to have to want to know. That's right. That's right. There comes a time the Lord will help you get started all the baby. Aren't you glad that he holds babies in his arms and he, he does feed them. He bottle feeds them and spoon feeds them. There comes a time you're going to have to make a choice. Those who choose to learn. I don't feel compelled to preach that particular thought. Full assurance comes to those who choose to lean. 
those who choose to lean on His, on his Word. Full age comes to those who choose to learn His will. That's what He was weeping over. That's why blood was pouring out of His forehead in the Garden of Gethsemane. He was having to learn to accept His Father's will. He looked in that cup. i tell you something about the will of God. It ain't going to be what you thought it was. It ain't going to be near as pretty on the front side as you thought it was. Now on the back side, there's an empty tomb and a glorious bride. But on the front side of that wheel, there's always a, a bloody cross. I wish I had somebody. And somebody said, I want to know the will of God. No, you don't. And you don't even need to know the will of God. God knows His will. Just let Him work it in your life. Let Him work it in your life. I heard more goofy sermons on knowing the will of God. You don't need to know the will of God. My son's sitting there. He don't need to know all the decisions and everything I'm going to make on his behalf the next 10, 15 years. I ain't going to take the time to explain to him. He wouldn't understand it if I did. God the Father's in heaven. He ain't got time to explain to you everything, how it's all going to work, work out, why he Just do what he said. You don't need to know the will of God. You need to trust the will of God. He said, but I'm afraid I'll miss his will. Not if you halfway want it. If you want His will, it's going to happen. I'm going to make this say, it's actually pretty hard to get out of God's will. There's usually a giant whale waiting on you somewhere like, "Ah, you thought this is right the part where you leave the will of God. It'll swallow you up and swim you back to shore and spit you out bleached white. You'll have seaweed for a garment and you'll run to Nineveh. You'll run to the will of God. It's actually hard to get out of the will of God. He's such a, he's such a wonderful father. See, them fathers who neglect their children, they don't care how the youngins turn out, but God cares very much. And if you have an ounce of sincerity or submission in your system, and if you have just an ounce of desire to do His will, you will. <laughs> he just ain't going to explain it to you. You'll get done and look back and say, wow, it's been a long journey, but I've been blessed. Amen. His will was wonderful. Full age comes to those who choose to learn His will, but full assurance. And there's a strong Christian. You said it last night, Brother Thompson, you said it. The old man that used to testify when you was a little boy in church, he'd say, I know that I know that I know that I know that I know. That's somebody who's got full assurance. And it comes to those who lean. Now, I've been up here about 43 minutes. Aren't you glad I know that? I've been up here four to three minutes, and I know y'all ain't worried about it. Y'all crazy enough to come on a one-day announcement in the middle of the worst weather we've had in three months. You're here. You ain't worried about it. 
The ones that was worried about it did not show up. The ones that, the ones that could have. I got news for you. Will y'all let me talk about that for 15 minutes? He's put no time on me, but I, I'm trying to, I try to be good. To, actually, I'm a little hungry. It's the only reason I want to go get. Just, we got nine fast food restaurants on our exit, and that's why I'm just three or four pounds a little heavy right now at this <laughs> stage. Just hush. <laughs> Can I talk about that lasting for about 15 minutes? Full assurance comes to those who choose. It's a choice once again. If you live in doubt and you live in fear and you live in the weakness of uncertainty and the agony of inner turmoil, it's because you're choosing not to lean on Him. You've made that choice. Look at our scripture there. Full assurance. Oh my. It comes to those who choose to lean. That's what the entire Hebrews chapter 6 is about, is just leaning on the promises of God. Amen. Amen. I wish I had somebody leaning on His promises. This thing could go three or four ways. I don't know right quite how to... Look in verse 9. But beloved... We're persuaded. Ain't you glad we can be persuaded of some things? Amen. Better things of you and things that accompany salvation. I bet that'd make a good sermon. Things that accompany salvation. Amen. Though we thus speak, for God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love which you've showed toward His name in that ye have ministered to the saints and do minister. And we desire that one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope under the, that, that you be not slothful. There's your choice. I can tell some of you didn't believe me when I said it's a choice. It's a choice to be strong in the faith or to be weak in the faith. If you're weak in the faith and you don't have full assurance, it's because you eat up with spiritual slothfulness. You're spiritually lazy. You don't want to learn of God. You don't want to listen to God. You don't want to walk with God. You don't want to trust God. It's easier and far more convenient than just to give up and shrug it off and live in your own wishy-washiness. That you be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. For when God made promise to Abraham because he could swear by no greater, he swear by himself. Can I get a witness right there? Amen. Swear by himself. And what verse is it? The end of verse 16. Men verily swear by the greater, and an oath for confirmation is to them an end of all strife. When men make a vow to each other, they don't worry about it anymore. They trust each other. An oath is for confirmation. And it ends all strife. You go down to the bank and you carry an arbitrator, negotiator, three attorneys. You sign a thousand pages in red ink and black ink and you enter into a contract and you swear to each other so you can sleep at night. And then they can still back out of it in this modern society and then sue you for spilling coffee on herself. Can I get a witness? But men swear by the greater. Can I throw this in for free right here? I have to say this very carefully. 
even the heathen acknowledge that God is the greatest. And in their blindness and blasphemy, when they try to curse you or try to bless you, I've never had an old heathen lean out the window and say, Allah curse you. They know he's not the greater. I've never had one lean out and holler at me, Joseph Smith curse you. They know he's not the greater. I've never even had a witch or, or a witch doctor, and I've run into several of them. I've never had one of them say, Satan curse you. They know he's not the greater. Even the heathen, when they try to invoke a blessing on themselves and a curse on you, they, and I'm not going to say the ugly words, Pastor, but they'll say, God curse you. That's right. Yeah. Now, we don't want the children to hear what they really say, but you, you grown-ups know what they say. And when the heathen even try to invoke a, a curse, they call on the greatest name. <laughs> and they swear by the greater. And they'll say, God curse you. The good thing is, God don't listen to the prayers of the heathen. And God will not bless what he's cursed. And he will not curse what he's blessed. Oh, Balaam tried that. Balak hired Balaam to go down there and pronounce a blessing on Balak and a curse on them. And old Balaam got there and he even sold out and tried to. Pocket full of money to do it. And he couldn't do it. He he cursed old Balak and blessed the children of Israel. And Balak threw it. He said, I can't help it. You're cursed and they're blessed. Sorry how it turned out. Hallelujah. I got news for y'all. You can have full assurance because he has sworn some things to us. On the grave of his own son. In the blood of his own son. He has sworn some things to us. Full assurance. Full assurance. Let me say three things. I got 11 minutes left before I go to the Waffle House. Amen. Hallelujah. And, uh, three quick things. Honey, we can have full assurance because what he has sworn, that anchor down there, you see that anchor? Is it verse 18 or 19? Which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and it's entered into the veil. That's where our high priest carried that blood, poured it on that mercy. That's where he sits. That's where our anchor is. I wish I had somebody. Amen. Amen. My anchor ain't attached to nothing in this world. Right. My anchor's attached over there behind the veil. Oh, Amen. Yes, sir. And, that, and, and that anchor's attached to his cross. It's attached to his covenant that he swore on that cross. And the covenant is based on his character. It's attached to his character. Somebody come in here and tell you, in the name of Jimmy Thompson, Jimmy Thompson said, and, and that'll carry some weight with me. And if somebody said to me, now Michael Turner, Michael Turner recommends this. Michael Turner said, and they'll bring his name in the picture. That'll carry some weight with me. But <laughs> when it comes to life and death matters, I ain't, a, I ain't a relying on none of y'all. Amen. Amen. And when it comes to life, and they, and they try to, don't, don't you lean on the name Dean McNeese either. Amen. That's right. 
there's one name, amen, that you can count on, carries full credibility. God's not unrighteous. He cannot lie. There's none greater. That chapter just keeps talking about God. That covenant's based on His character. That's why we get saved in His name. That's why we make prayers in His name. That's why we worship in His name. That's why we come to His presence in His name. That's why we hide and run in the refuge of His name. That's why we operate in His name. It's His name. There's none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. There's one name and one name only that you can count on. He attached his name to his covenant. And that wherein on that cross he swore that blood covenant to you and I. That anchor holds. You can have full assurance in that. Well, I got two hours of preaching I want to do to you about that right there. Can I just show you one nugget and then we'll see where we go from there? Look in chapter 6, verse 10. For God is not unrighteous to what? Somebody give it that next word. Forget! All right. What has God swore in this covenant swearing chapter? What has He swore He's not going to forget? He's not going to forget your work and labor of love that you've showed toward His what? Name. And that you've ministered to the saints and do minister. And you know, somebody's saved, they minister to the saints. They don't just give money to feed Ethiopians during Christmas. Amen. They just don't make a donation down there to the Ronald McDonald house. To the, they don't just build HUD houses for Jimmy Carter. Can I get a witness? Oh, there's a lot of humanitarians trying to buy their way into God's favor. You ain't buying your way into God's favor. No, you ever get saved, your works will flow toward Christ and toward His body. Amen. And that you've ministered to the saints. Your work. He, he swore he would never forget our work. Now, turn to page chapter 8, verse 17. I mean, chapter 8, verse 12. And this is repeated in chapter 10, verse 17. 8, 12. For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness. And their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. Verse 13, and that he said, the new covenant. Amen. That's one of the promises of the new covenant. Amen. That's that gospel covenant. That's that grace covenant. You got an old, you got an old will and a new will in your hands. You have an old dispensation and a new dispensation in your hands. You have an old covenant and a new covenant. Better known as an old testament. And a New Testament. And this new one's got blood in it. This new one's got a cross in it. All them Old Testament covenants failed and fell through. Adam messed his covenant up with God and got kicked out of the garden. Amen. Noah even messed up his covenant there. And they got drunk and immorality took place. Abraham and them messed up their covenant. They're part of it. And God had to judge the Jews. David's, David's covenant, they didn't last two generations. And lost the throne right there. Now, God's going to keep all of his sides of the covenants. But you come to the end of Malachi and God says, All right, boys, it took 4,000 years to show you everything you ever promised to me fell through. I wish I had somebody. 
All them Old Testament covenants that involved you making a promise also, conditions relying on you, you messed all of them up. You messed all of them up. You messed all of them up. Now, I got a covenant for you now that it's for you, but we're not gonna let you, we're not gonna let you be a part of swearing any of it. God put his arms around the triune council. He said, We're gonna swear this into each other. And it's all gonna be for you. You're the benefactors of this last will and testament. But you got no conditions in it. You ain't gotta do nothing. You ain't got to do nothing. Hallelujah. You just got to want this one. Amen. You got to like it yeah. and you got to trust it. Yes, sir. Amen. I've lost y'all. I've lost you. You can't do anything to get saved. Amen. He doesn't show up. You get in the you get in this covenant, honey, just by believing on him. Amen. Amen. Kind of like they swore to each other. And you're never getting in that club. They're blood brothers. We used to have little clubs when I was growing up. Amen. We'd swear to each other, make little blood brothers, make little nine drinking. I wouldn't do that with nobody now, not with everything going around. Amen. The boy had some blood. And we wouldn't let them, we especially wouldn't let girls in. All the girls had cooties. They couldn't come in our club. But God's gracious and merciful and they swore to each other in blood and then they turned around and opened it up and said now if anybody wants in they can come in amen amen and uh, and that that this is just one of the little promises in that covenant he said I'm going to swear to you there's some things I'll never forget and he swore, there's some things I'll never remember. Amen. Oh, y'all got to help me better than that. He said, I'm gonna, and this is how much mercy and grace. And I can't believe we put a crown of thorns on his head, and he won't turn around and wants to put crowns of glory on ours. All this still blows my mind. All of this still blows my mind. I'm still thrilled. I'm still amazed. Amazing grace is more amazing to me right now than the, than the week I got saved. It really is. I'm more amazed at grace. The more I learn about it, the more I'm amazed Amen. about it. Amen. He swore to me. Amen. This blows my mind. I'll never forget anything you've ever done for me. Down to a cup of water. You didn't even have to be the prophet. You just gave a cup of water to that prophet. And you get the same crown he gets for being the prophet. That's Bible. I'll never forget what you've done for me. And I'll never remember what you did to me. And their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. Flip over to chapter 10, verse 17. He repeats that and right in the middle of the covenant... He repeats this sworn business. Chapter 10, verse 17. Hallelujah to God. Chapter 10. There it is, verse 7. And their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Now what the verse before that said, this is the covenant. <laughs> Woo! That I will. Make with them that say the Lord. I will. Put my law in her and her mind. Will I? God's the one doing this one. 
Oh, I wish I had somebody. God's the one doing this one. Amen. And he runs down there in verse, well, back up to verse 14. For by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. Wow, we can't hardly believe that, can y'all? But he said to believe it. You can go ahead and just take your little razor blade and scratch that silly sticker off your bumper. Christians aren't perfect, just forgiven. Well, I'm sorry, I totally missed the address on that verse. I read my Bible through in the late 80s, I remember that. And I never run across that verse. Oh, that's because it ain't a verse. It's as flaky as a WWJD bracelet. Can I get a witness right there? Amen. Put this on your bumper sticker. For by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. And he gave it, verse. the next verse, he gave you the Holy Ghost to be a witness. He knew you'd have a hard time believing that salvation's that good, so he stuck the Holy Ghost inside you and said, tell him. And verse 17, there's that precious, and their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Now where remission of these is, there's no more offering for sin. Verse 19, you get some of that brethren boldness. Having therefore brethren boldness, (laughs) boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, here it comes, here it comes, here it comes. Let us draw near with a true heart in what? Full assurance of faith. My, my. I'm here to tell you something. Full assurance comes to those who choose to lean on His Word. Abraham just believed God. And it was counted to him for righteousness. It was imputed unto him. I got it in my heart heavy. Oh, to preach on that assurance. Take me an hour to do it. I ain't suggesting nothing to him. I'm just telling you. I'd like to preach it. Full assurance. When somebody tells me they're doubting their salvation, I tell them that's how I know they're saved. There ain't a lost man ever been alive that ever doubted his salvation. That's right. Amen. Lost men never experience confusion of their salvation. They experience conviction of their sin. Conviction does not confuse you. Conviction convinces you. The Holy Ghost is good at what He does. God is not the author of confusion. And there ain't a a sinner alive that stays awake at night and wrestles and worries about and tries to get saved and wants to be saved. That's the kicker. That's right. And, 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 he's, and he's prayed and he's come to the Lord before. and he's a, If you're doubting your salvation, you need to listen to yourself. You're doubting your what? Sinners get convicted. Saints get confused. I never really have. Some people do. They've been under bad doctrine. 
But you know, you could over it. One of the dangers of our old-fashioned Holy Ghost shouting churches is that we almost put as much emphasis on emotion as the charismatics, and we confuse our young people. I wish I had somebody. We confuse our young people and our new converts. And they, and they spend 30 years trying to make sure that they got it. And the gospel and the Lord Jesus and the Holy Scriptures have never suggested anything like it. He said, if you come, I'll take you. Amen. And right on down there, what is it, seven or eight verses later of Hebrews 10, he said, you just hold fast the profession of your faith. I'm going to tell you something, if you've ever come to him, it was because he came to you. That's right. Amen. And if you ever came to him, that's the only thing the gospel ever said you got to do. Now, Pastor, we're not talking about somebody chewing the gum and flip-flops and acting silly. To the, they may come to an altar, but they didn't come to Christ. If you've ever <laughs> come to Christ, if you've ever come to him, Ain't talking about somebody saying a prayer for you. Ain't talking about a five-year-old in vacation Bible school getting talked into saying. I said, if you, if you ever came to him, we so overemphasize people who have had emotional conversions that we confuse the body of Christ at large because only a few ever have dramatic conversions. There was only one, Paul. I didn't see where anybody else got knocked off a donkey, heard the voice thundering from heaven. Jesus, personal conversation, hey, idiot, what are you kicking at? <laughs> but he, Simon Peter just stood up and said, this Jesus whom you've crucified, he's Lord and Christ. And 3,000 people said, I believe that. That's right. I'm going to get baptized. <laughs> <laughs> there wasn't no lightning. There wasn't no not getting knocked off your donkey. They wasn't being blind for three days. They wasn't staggering down to the house of Brother Ananias. They were, honey, there's only a few have emotional experiences in their conviction and their conversion. And in our old timey churches, and I'm old, I ain't nothing but old timey. You hear me? There ain't nothing else about me. In our old timey churches, and we don't mean to. That's the thing. We're so glad that that old prisoner got saved out of the Harley gang. We let him tell his testimony and we write books about it. And, and, and my daddy got saved that way over at Dogwood in 1966. He's doing 85 on Highway 41 down here, fresh out of the army. And his old daddy is a, a sorry drunk and died that way. Horrible, shameful stories that, that my dad never has to won't tell. I, I, I learned here and there how bad it was. And my old daddy was turning into the same thing. And the Holy Ghost stopped him on the side of the highway. <laughs> he just slid off the road and stood there trembling. The Holy Ghost pulled him over. He didn't even, Brother Jimmy, he didn't even know he could get saved. He thought bad people from the other side of the tracks like us go to hell. Good people that have shoes when they're kids and have a daddy, they go to heaven because they're good. He didn't even know he could get saved. 
He promised God the only religious thing he could think of. He said, if you'll let me live till Sunday, I'll go to church with Mama. <laughs> Hallelujah to God! Hebrews 7. I was yet in the loins of my father when Melchizedek met him. I'm about to pick up a pew and run up there and throw it in Dalton somewhere. When Abraham had a transaction with Melchizedek, Levi wasn't there yet, but he was. And the transaction affected him just like it. Leave me alone. Y'all better leave me alone. Hallelujah to God! He's sitting on the side of 41, Brother Jim, and lightning flashed. It'd been a bad storm. And he was from here to that wall, and the bridge had washed out. Between Thursday and Sunday, he couldn't open a letter. Couldn't drink coffee. 